I know how important that can be. So uh, good to be in God's house today. You guys happy being in God's house today? And uh, good to see you. Oh, somebody's so happy they're clapping. And uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, now the rest of you are just clapping because the other person was clapping. You think, oh yeah, I guess. I'll clap too. Um, <laughs> it's good to have Shirley with us this morning. Shirley's been in the hospital and dealing with a lot of things, but we're glad to see you, Shirley, and praying for you. Kim did want us to let you know that they're, they're going to that movie tonight, the Christmas, what is it? Christmas Star. It's, a, it's, a, it's an animated Christmas story, and they had, she had 15 tickets left. And so if you're interested in that, you can see Kim after uh, the service. Well, we've been looking through the book of Ruth and working through the book of Ruth the last two weeks in this series. And, and, and really the, the main question for this, this series, this two-week series is this. Can God take my story with its failures, uh, disappointments, and wrong turns and use it for something bigger than me? And, you know, that, that, I think all of us have that kind of question. You know, I, I look at my life, and, and I look at the wrong choices that I've made, the decisions that I've made that, that were rash. I, I look at my life, and, and I know no one else is like this. But I know in my life there has been times when I just flat out sinned, okay? I, I, you guys are shocked. I know. You're thinking, no way, Pastor. Uh, but, but the truth is, all of us have lives that have been marked by sin. And, and right now, just look at your neighbor and say, you sinner you, okay? Uh, you, you know, we, we all have those, uh, those things. Man, you guys were really, really willing to do that. Uh, our life are marked by missteps and errors and wrong decisions and disappointments and things not working out according to our plans. All of our lives are marked by those kind of things. And, and the question is, can God take this mess of a life that, that I've lived and use it uh, for something bigger than myself? And, and the Bible is full of stories of people that God have has used whose lives weren't always that great. I think of King David. You know, King David is a man after God's own heart. And yet David has some glaring failures in his life story. Yet God could use David. Mo Moses had failures in his story. Abraham had failures in his story. And so the Bible has all these stories of people that, that God has used Despite their wrong choices, their rash decisions, sometimes their sin, God has used them in the midst of these things. And, and we've talked about how the Bible is a, is a book of shared stories. That, that as we read the Bible, we're to read it together. And, and that, that somehow together that the Bible makes more sense. Our communal imagination allows us to see these stories and apply these stories and see how these stories are worked out in, in others' lives and in our life. I think when I, when I think about shared stories, it's not just the Bible stories that we share, but we share each other's stories. And, and we've been really paying close attention to trying to bring you some different testimonies of people over the last few weeks. And, and we have another one today. We're going to share Rodney Gilman's uh, testimony today. Go ahead. Hi, friends. Most of you know me, Rodney Gilman. And been on quite a journey in the last five years or so. I'll just start by saying that Nancy and I were quite comfortable with our lives where we were at 
the point five years ago. Uh, she had a good job teaching at the JBS, the G, in the GED program. She really enjoyed that, and I enjoyed my job, and I was looking forward to, to retiring in a few years. We had two young sons. They were both happily married, and we had a granddaughter, Aaliyah. Well, we, we thought that everything was just great and it could just keep on going the way it was going. But then what we had read about and heard about in other people's lives happened to us, cancer. And everything just changed. And there were, oh gee whiz, the operation was awful. The chemo treatments and doctor visits and just just kept I mean just non-stop the recuperation process between not only after after the operation but in between chemo treatments and being able to get equilibrium Nancy's taste anyway I I'm gonna cut that short because I could paint a real ugly picture you know it, it is suffering is not fun but I tell you what is what is enduring and what really is most important during anything that happens to you in life is your relationships and I knew Nancy loved me and I definitely loved her even though I felt totally helpless because there really was nothing I could do to help her physically, other than be there. And I was, I was willing to do that because I loved her and because I knew God loved both of us. And he was right there with us. I can't really tell you because I don't understand it completely myself where that faith came from other than I believe it came from the Holy Spirit. And when I talk about it, it's just like it happened yesterday. I can't tell you how much I appreciate but I'll try. All the cards and the prayers and the notes and the letters and the food, those things had love written all over them from you guys. And they touched both our hearts deeply. I know Nancy, Nancy was greatly encouraged by all those thoughts of love and prayers and the kind words and I know God has used these, this situation and all the little things that went along with the circumstances he's used them in a, in a way that's really beyond my comprehension to make us it's almost like we fell in love all over again through this whole situation. And I realized 
I think Nancy realized that I really loved her, and I certainly realized that she loved me. And we both, we both realized that the most important thing in this life is to love God and be responsive to what He wants from us, which is to love each other and to love our families and to love the people that we associate with. And even go out of our way to, to love people we don't know. I just thank God that He has used this situation to work in my heart and change me into a different person than what I was before. I wouldn't have chosen this road. I just knew God was right there to help me do it. And I look at my past life as being a, um, a lead-up to what happened in the last five years, working with developmentally disabled individuals and having to go through all the experiences I did with my job. There was a lot of caretaking involved in that job. And I know some people don't have that privilege of having to go through something like that. But I was able to draw from some of those past experiences. And I could just see where God drew everything that happened in my life up until this point to bring it together in the last five years. And even now, with being able to take care of Grandma, because that's what Nancy and I had decided that we wanted to do when she was when she made the decision that she needed needed the help. And plus the fact she she told us she'd come back to haunt us if we put her in a nursing home. So that helped too. But it is a privilege to be able to take care of grandma now. It gives me an outlet for my energy and gives me a purpose for living. I really enjoy being able to take care of her. Thank God. God is good all the time. I do uh, so appreciate those who've been willing to share these past few weeks. And, and uh, you guys are my heroes. Rodney, you're one of my heroes. As I've watched as you walked with... Um, with Nancy through this. It's been about 16 months now, right? Am I right in my timing? And uh, I, I know how hard it's been, but I've also seen how you guys have walked with faith and have brought glory to God in, in, the, in the midst of difficult times. And as we share our stories, uh, the, one of the things that happens when we share our stories is we can bring glory to God. Uh, by the way, we live our lives. And I'm reminded of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is this hall of faith that talks about Abraham and Noah and, and uh, all these great leaders of faith. And Hebrews 11 ends with these, this verse. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. 
And it's an interesting phrase. You, you think that somehow the, the way I live, the way my, my faith is, is lived out, that, that it has an effect on the faith of Abraham and Moses and Noah and those that went before. And it somehow perfects their faith. And, and I think the way it perfects it is we complete their journey. That, that, that together we are completing this journey of God, this story of God. And, and we somehow complete the story of those who went before. We, we finish their stories or perfect their stories. And so the Bible and our own stories remind us that, that there's this ongoing story of God that we have the privilege of being a part and God is bigger than our circumstances. If that's true, say amen this morning. God is bigger than our circumstances. And so whatever you're going through today, and, and, and I realize in a room uh, this size that, that there's all sorts of circumstances, some of them are good, some of them are bad, that, that you're going through. Whatever circumstances you're going through, I, I want you to hear God is bigger than those circumstances. Whether they're financial circumstances, whether it's health issues, relationship issues, uh, emotional issues, addictions. We, we live in the most addicted age ever. I believe. This is an addicted culture, and, and God is bigger than that addiction that you're facing. God is bigger than sin. God is bigger than the fears that we face. And, and so we can rest in a God that's big enough to take us through the circumstances of life. And so we've been looking through the, the book of Ruth, and I love the book of Ruth, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. The, the, the book of Ruth, like, like many stories in the Bible, are a, a synopsis or a nutshell, or, or the narrative gives us the gospel story. And the book of Ruth is one of those stories that gives us the gospel story in this short little narrative. And, and we, we looked last week, uh, Naomi is, is the mother-in-law, and she has two daughter-in-laws, or her husband dies, Naomi's husband dies and then her two sons die and she's left with these, she's a widow who's left with two widowed daughter-in-laws and, and she tries to get them to return to their families in Moab and, and Orpah decides to go home but Ruth returns with Naomi to Israel. This, this foreign girl who's a widow, powerless, with, with no legal standing, returns to Israel with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And, and in a lot of ways, you, you, what Naomi's doing makes complete sense other than sending the daughter-in-laws or trying to send the daughter-in-laws back. But, but what Ruth is doing is in a lot of ways a rash decision, a, a rash choice of love to follow her, her mother-in-law back to a foreign land instead of returning to the home of her parents, the home of her mother. And last week we, we saw that before we have a plan, God has made a way. And so in the midst of this, in the midst of these dire circumstances, God already has a way in mind for Ruth. And so Ruth begins to work in, in, in a rich relative's fields. They get there and they, they've got to find a way to, to make ends meet. And, and, and so Ruth goes out into the fields and begins to work in Boaz's fields. Uh, Boaz is a rich relative of Naomi, apparently has some resources. And she begins, uh, as this poor foreign lady, to work in his fields and to just follow his harvesters as they're collecting their crops. And Leviticus law provides 
for, for this kind of situation. Leviticus says, when you reap the harvest, this is an instruction to the, the landowners, when you, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. In other words, Leviticus law provided for people in the Ruth circumstances. Here's this foreign widow with, with no ability to own land or have any uh, substantial resources. And Leviticus law said, what I want you to do, God said through the law, I want you to, to, to not go through your fields twice. In other words, after you harvest, if there's some left behind, I want you to leave it. And I don't want you to go clear to the edges, but, but I want you to leave this for people who may be in need. It, it was, a, it was a, a, a social security. It was a security uh, system in place in the Leviticus law for the poor and the alien in Israel. Uh, two months ago, I was at a peer group in Upper Valley, and we were former uh, pastors. We were talking about different things we were doing. There was a pastor from Joliet first, and, and his church's vision or logo or motto was be the edge. <laughs> I, I love that ideal. And the, and the ideal behind it was he wanted his church to live in such a way as people could glean from their life. Pe people could gain resources from their life, that they wouldn't be so consumer-minded. They would be aware that other people had needs that they could meet. I told him, I, I like that so much, you can just plan on, I'm going to steal that at some point. I just love it. Be the edge. I hope we think like that, 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 that we're not so consumer-minded that we think we have to consume everything for ourselves, but we recognize that there's enough in our margins that we could leave over for other people. You know, we try to be intentional in our church about giving you resources and telling you ways that, that you could be part of that. Uh, we're doing Operation Angel Tree once again. Operation Angel Tree, am I saying that right? Operation Angel Tree is a ministry where you provide Christmas presents for kids whose parents are in prison. And so there's ornaments. Are they on the tree? There's ornaments on the tree. Take an ornament, buy a gift. We're also adopting some families that are in need this Christmas season. And there's going to be a sign-up genius go out. If you don't use computers, if you want another way to sign up, see Emily, see me. We want to give you some outlets, some intentional outlets, where you can provide from your access, from your margins, from your gleanings. <laughs> Most of us in this room don't need another Christmas gift, right? <laughs> But we could probably give a few gifts. So Ruth uses this provision in the law. And she begins to, to glean. She begins to collect the, what's left over in the harvest fields. And, and Boaz sees her and he, he asks, who is this? And they, they explain, well, this is Ruth. She is Naomi's uh, daughter-in-law. She loved her mother-in-law so much, she left Moab and she came to Israel. And, and, and he takes a liking to her. He, he thinks that's a, you know, it, it's a neat thing that she's doing. And so he tells her, you know, stay close. She, you, you can drink our water. And, and Ruth wants to know why Boaz is being so kind. He says, "Why? Well, I've heard about you. I've heard what you've done. I've heard the choices that you've made. And, and, and I appreciate that. You know, I, I, I think we need to, to, to realize that people are watching how we live our lives. <laughs> uh, you, you may not always know it, but, but doing the right thing matters. And sometimes just doing the right thing. We may not know that someone's paying attention. Not, not that we'll benefit or we'll gain anything by, by doing the right thing, but doing the right thing matters because people are paying attention to how you're living. Christian? Churchgoer? 
You realize, of course, your, your non-Christian, your non-church-going neighbors watch you quite a bit to see how you live. And it matters. And so he allows her to start eating with him. We eating with them. They make sure that she's taken care of. And, and this, begin, this continues day after day. She, she gleans, she gathers in Boaz's field. And then the story moves on from, from simple provision to, to, I like to call this part of the story, Naomi's How to Get a Man Plan. And, uh, uh, you, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting how, how she does this. Uh, I'll say at the outset, uh, parents of daughters, don't try this at home, okay? I don't think any of us would, would do this and or plan for our daughters in this way, but, but this is what Naomi does. She, she says, okay, there's going to be a harvest celebration. Um, folks, I don't want to mess up anybody's paradigms of what's going on in these stories. And, you know, you can hear these stories any way you want, uh, but this is a celebration. You could read party here. They're having a good time because they've just had a, they've just had a good harvest. And she says, when, when the celebration's going on, I want you to go to the, to the harvest floor, and I want you to lie at the feet of Boaz. One problem in the Hebrew language, there's no word for foot. <laughs> and so in the original language, what's written there is that she uncovers his lower extremities and lays with him. Take that how you want. Um, it's not how any of us would tell our kids to get a mate. Uh, but it was Naomi's plan for Ruth. Um, Boaz wakes up and Ruth is there and he's flattered. And he says, I'll redeem you. You know, I'll be your kinsman redeemer. I'll marry you. Uh, anybody get married like I just, I'm just curious. Quick show of hands. I don't want to insult anybody. <laughs> and of course, uh, she agrees to this. And Boaz gives her some barley to take home. And the, the only thing where our stories parallel, that's exactly what I gave Terry after she said yes to me. I just gave her a bag of barley and she went home. Um, <laughs> And so she goes home to her mother-in-law and, and, you know, it's all great. But, but there's one kinsman redeemer that's closer in relation that has the possibility of redeeming uh, Ruth. And so he says, I'll talk to them the next day and I'll get permission from him. So the next day at the gate, this kinsman redeemer comes walking by and there's witnesses. And Boaz says, hey, um, Ruth, the Moabite. Uh, do you want to redeem her? You know, I, I have a chance to marry her, redeem her, but would you like to? And the kinsman redeemer says, yeah, sure, I'd like to. Kind of like that. And uh, I says, sure, I'd like to. And, uh, and then Boaz says, well, one thing you need to know is there's legal obligations. There's some, some um, estate issues with this that her family would have some rights. And, and so when he hears that it could jeopardize his estate planning, he says, well, no, thank you. You can have the Moab woman. And so, and so Boaz does what all of us did when we got engaged. He gave his sandals uh, to the other guy and that sealed the deal. And then the scripture goes on. I, I'm not making this up. This is in the story. All of this is in the story. So Boaz took Ruth into his home. And she became his wife. Ruth bore a son. 
Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if she were her own. The neighbor women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again. And so we'll stop right there in the story just for a few moments. There's a a phrase that we see in this story. There's an image that we see in this story that I think is important. It's the ideal of the kinsman redeemer. And it's it's an image that is sprinkled throughout Scripture. Uh, Job, you know know the story of Job. Job has everything taken away from him, his kids and his wealth. The only things left is his wife, and she's telling him to curse God and die. And, And so Job is in this desperate place. His health is gone, his family's gone, his resources are gone. And in the midst of all this, Job cries out, I know my Redeemer lives. And in the end, I will stand. And actually, the literal phrase is, I know my kinsman redeemer lives. And of course, this kinsman redeemer is is Jesus. And as we look at this story and see this story in the context of our stories, we have a kinsman redeemer, and it is Jesus. And Jesus restores us to our legacy. Wherever you find yourself this morning, whatever you've done, whatever your path has been, the ups and downs of life, you have the the opportunity today to allow your kinsman redeemer to be married to him and allow him to restore your legacy. That's good news. And Boaz is an image of Jesus Christ in this story. Did you ever stop and think about that? That God uses that God uses human beings to be His image in this world. <laughs> he uses you and I, ordinary people, to portray the image of God to show people how God loves and lives. <laughs> you know that's that's one of the. Um, so some Old Testament theologians will say that 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 God said no to idols and images because we are to be his images. And to rely on graven images is to rely on something different. God wants us to show people who he is. And Boaz is an image of Christ. The second thing that we'll finish with today is this. Last week we talked about before I have a plan, God has made a way. This way, this week, God's way is far better than any plan we can make. You know, Ruth's story is full of twists and turns. It's got starts and stops. There's sorrow, there's hardship, but there's more to the story. Anybody know who Paul Harvey is? If you're over 40, you know who Paul Harvey is. If you're younger than 40, you don't. Paul Harvey used to be a, a, a radio commentator. And Paul Harvey would end his story with what? The rest, the rest of the story. <laughs> the rest of the story of Ruth is this. To Solomon, to Solomon was born Boaz, and to Boaz, Obed, and to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse, David. 
So the story doesn't even end with Ruth. The story ends with King David. And from us with a Christian heritage, it doesn't even with King David. It ends with Jesus. And then this line was born Messiah. And the truth is, Ruth never saw King David. Ruth certainly never saw Jesus coming. She never saw any of those things. But but into her story, into her line, her story's not ending with just Obed, but it's ending with King David and Jesus. See, Ruth's story included desperate circumstances. I believe if if you read Ruth's story honestly, it includes rash decisions. It includes unlikely heroes, unconventional plans. It includes unforeseen difficulties. It includes seemingly hopeless moments. All of those things are present in the story of Ruth. Yet somehow God redeemed Ruth and Naomi's stories even beyond their ability to comprehend. See, the truth is, and we do this, we, 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 we like to have nice bows tied around all our stories, don't we? And we like to tie bows around these biblical stories. I'm always, I'm always reminded of Job. You know, Job loses all of his kids. He has this dire illness. He, he loses all of his resources. And then there's this, this prologue in the story that, that some theologians suggest have been, has been added on by an editor. I mean, you can take it either way you want. But it's been added on because we don't like unsettled stories. But, but even, if it's, even if it's part of the original story, it, it, it leaves us with a restored Job, and it's like nothing ever happened to Job. The Job still didn't have the sorrow and the hurt from the lost kids and the lost resources and the pain of sickness. Even with the birth of this child, Ruth is still left with the scars of life. Much like you and I. So we can relate to Ruth. Our circumstances are similar. In my life, I've had desperate times. In my life, I've made rash and wrong decisions. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you've made some wrong decisions. I know, we can't tell ourselves that. That unlikely hero stepped to the plate. I've made unconventional plans. I've had unforeseen difficulties. I've had hopeless moments. And you all have as well, haven't you? And God still redeems stories even beyond our ability to comprehend. Eyes cannot see. Ears do not hear. We have no ability to comprehend what God can do with our story. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to His purpose for them. No one, no one but God can take our stories and weave them into something wonderful and good and pleasing. Can't plan our way into it. Only God. I don't know, maybe... 
Maybe this morning, this sermon's for you. Maybe the truth is that, that you're a long way from feeling like you're living God's plan. You know, I, I talked about this last week. I, I, I sometimes, you know, we always talk about this perfect plan of God, this perfect will of God. And I look back at my life, and if the perfect will of God was plan A, I feel like I'm like plan 4000Z. <laughs> Anybody else? Maybe you're feeling there today. Here's the good news. God can take you where you are and in relationship and marriage with our kinsman redeemer, he can lift your plan from plan Z back to plan A. That's our God. So it's um, the wonder of God. The God who can fully redeem stories. Even when we've messed up, God can redeem your story right where you are. Well, it's Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, we're going to close service with communion. Uh, c- communion is sometimes called, in more traditional churches, uh, the Catholic Church, and in high churches, sometimes they call it Eucharist. Anybody know what Eucharist mean? It means Thanksgiving. That, that's a, it's Latin for Thanksgiving. And, and, and so communion is a Thanksgiving meal. I know it's not turkey and dressing and pumpkin pie, but it's a Thanksgiving meal. And Amy, you can start coming up and start playing. And there's a couple things that, that I think that we can be thankful for. The first thing is, and I think this is, Jesus talks about this when he, when he ordains this, this sacrament. We can be thankful and reminded of our kinsman redeemer. <laughs> That when we look at the bread and we look at the juice, we're reminded that Jesus came in the flesh to redeem us. In a lot of ways, this is a marriage feast. That we celebrate our marriage, our connection, our relationship with Jesus Christ, and that in this relationship, in this kinsman redeemer, our legacy has been restored. In another way, I think there's, there's this ideal of story that plays into this, that, that, that somehow through our twists and turns, even those are redeemed. Uh, we, we had, um, and most people do, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's great if you have family around. We did Thanksgiving with, with my family, and, uh, and, you know, you have the family gather around, and I, and I can look around the, the people at my table, and, and I can, at our Thanksgiving dinner, and I can see things in their life that was not great, and things that were great, and times where they messed up, and times where they didn't, and times where they made wrong decisions, and times where they made wrong, right decisions. I can see, un- I see all these things that you see in Ruth. You know, I always think of my, my mom and dad, and they were talking about this this week. Grandma had, oh, there must have been six kids, high school and younger, when my grandpa died. You know, this is in the 40s. You know, it's not easy to make ends meet. And she had this big house. He was a good provider, but, but grandma had to do everything you know, just to make a way for him. And, and one thing she did was she took in borders in this big house. You know who one of the borders were? My dad. <laughs> that, that somehow through 
the death of my grandfather, my, my God weaved my family. Only God can do that. And so I see us as we gather around the table, we, we've gathered with all these diverse plans and diverse circumstances, and yet somehow we can be thankful because God has redeemed. It's the same here. As I look around this room, I realize that all of you have different stories. Uh, all of you have different circumstances. And he's weaved us to this place. And we celebrate this Thanksgiving, celebrating the God that redeems our stories. Jesus says this, or Paul says this, giving us the words of Jesus. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Do you see it? Paul's saying, Jesus is saying through Paul, in communion, you're not just celebrating something that's happened, but something that's going to happen. And so as we receive communion, we celebrate what God has done in our life. But folks, we've only seen the tip of the iceberg of what God's going to do. And we receive these elements celebrating our God who's able to completely restore, redeem, use, fully invade our lives and our stories in such a way. Go receive communion this morning. We're going to do it by intention, which means that you dip it in the, in the juice and you eat it right here. I'm going to pray with this in just a second. You'll be dismissed from the back. If you need any assistance, um, is Josh in here? Uh, Josh, can you, can you help? Josh will have uh, the elements in the back as well. We also have gluten-free elements if you need that. I know many have allergies to gluten, and so that'll be in the middle. And Josh will have uh, communion as well by the little wafer in the cup if you need served in that way. But I'm going to pray with us, and then you'll be dismissed from the back. Lord, help us. Help us to keep our eyes on you even in the midst of the storm. Give us trust without borders. Give us faith, Lord, that allows us to walk uh, side by side with you even when we don't understand why we're dealing with the circumstances we are. Lord, I'm thankful for Jesus. You, you redeem us from our sins. You redeem us from our failures. You redeem us in this life. But there's more to come. May, may we live our lives in such a way that we finish the journey of those that went before and Lord, may we um, just love you and serve you with every fiber of our being. Help us now, Lord, as we receive these elements, to do it prayerfully and thoughtfully. Not, not just to, to do it as a ritual, Lord, but may we do it with a realization that, that somehow in the midst of this ritual, we can encounter you. And you change. You change us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.